effect on the way people are covering the post-election uh, sort out. It said, quote, the CIA has concluded in a secret assessment that Russia intervened in the 2016 election to help Donald Trump win the presidency. That sentence right there changed everything here in Washington. Should we believe that assessment? We should be extremely skeptical of it for multiple reasons. To begin with, this is a secondhand report, so you have somebody whose identity is being shielded describing what the CIA supposedly concluded, laundering that through the Washington Post. These are assertions that are being made completely unaccompanied by any evidence whatsoever, let alone evidence that we can touch and, and rationally review. Um, there's all kinds of reasons to suspect the CIA statements, including the fact that they're wrong all the time. Um, they're programmed in a lot of cases to disseminate disinformation, and there's lots yeah. of reasons to view them as political actors. Um, and so I think we ought to be highly skeptical. But what's interesting, I agree with that assessment completely. I mean, they're sometimes right, they're sometimes wrong, but they're certainly skilled in deception. That's what they do. 
And yet, politically, here in Washington, the response has been, well, if you don't believe this account of an account of analysis by the CIA, you're somehow acting on behalf of the Kremlin, or you're not patriotic, or you're insulting the memory of the CIA officers who've died in the line of duty. Have you seen that kind of response before? I saw it from um, a Democratic congressman, Adam Schiff, actually, when, when you interviewed him last week, and all you were doing was asking him for evidence, and he, he told you you should go to put your show on RT. Um, and in my journalism, this is the response I've been getting for many months now as, as not even... Um, not even when you deny that it happened. I mean, nobody should deny that Russia might have done this. Of course Russia might have done this. Um, this is the right. kind of thing that all states do, and, and certainly Russia. But all you do is ask for evidence before believing it, before embracing it as true. And that alone sub subjects you to accusations that you might be disloyal, that you're somehow a, a tool of the Kremlin. Um, it's a really toxic environment that I think Democrats have created, a little bit out of desperation and out of political um, maneuvering as well. But, but it is quite dangerous. Well, it is so weird that Russia is the focus. I, I mean, speaking for myself, I'm agnostic on Russia. I don't speak Russian. I've never been to the country. I don't have strong feelings about it one way or the other. I'm willing to believe anything, basically. I'm open-minded. And yet, all of a sudden, Russia seems to be villain number one. We are joined tonight by cybersecurity expert and CEO of MGT Capital, John McAfee. John, always a pleasure. Good to have you with us tonight on this very important story. It's almost mind-boggling. It brings Big Brother to a new meaning, so to speak. Your thoughts on what you have heard reported so far and what you know about this breach? Well, uh, first of all, it's good to be back again. I'm always, always happy to be on RT. Um, it, the whole thing is horrific. Um, first and foremost, uh, I'd like to thank Julian Assange for bringing this to the attention of the American public. You know, counter to what the CIA and FBI would like to do to Julian, I would like to give him a medal. But of all the things, and no one has talked about this yet, of, of all the things that trouble me most about this hack is that the CIA has, has uh, confirmed that they knew of zero-day exploits years in advance of the manufacturers of this software uh, finding out. Zero-day exploits are um, faults within software that can allow hackers and malicious code to get in. So basically, uh, by not fixing those faults, it puts the customers of Google, Apple, Microsoft, and many other American manufacturers, it puts them at risk it puts the reputation of the manufacturer at risk, and it costs us all billions of dollars. So mm -hmm. my question is this. I mean, I understand why the CIA is doing this. Uh, they don't want uh, these uh, zero-day exploits to fall into the hands of the enemy, uh, because the enemy then will take advantage of it. But, but seriously, aren't we doing the same thing as, as having a bunch of ill uh, people in our population uh, and the CIA has a boatload of penicillin, which, which could cure us. But they're not going to give it to us because the enemy may get access to it. 
Do you see the horror well, of this? It, there's no question Go about it. it. Tell me, tell me about the CIA Umbridge Group. Now they they can copy programs, use them, and they can leave a footprint uh, to point elsewhere, such as another entity doing work where blame comes yes. in. Uh, I.e., yes. Russia, uh, you know, got into the NSA, got into, uh, you know, the hacking the of the DNC. What, what, what about what about yes. that? Well, see, I've been saying this all along. I was I was the uh, lone voice in the wilderness the last time I was on RT just a couple of months ago, um, yep. saying that it cannot possibly be the the Russians for a number of reasons. Um, but yes, uh, the the CIA and and the Russians and all hackers can place into their malware indicators that makes it look like somebody else. For example, the DNC hack had traces of the Russian language in it. Um, it had compile times that matched the business hours in Moscow. It used techniques that Russian hackers used. Um, however, if it was truly Russia, the state, that did the hack, they are far more clever than to leave those traces in the program. Think about it for a minute. Also, the yeah. program was a year and a half old, so, so it, more than likely it was some 15-year-old kid somewhere, or maybe the CIA, but it could not have been Russia. And I, I've kept saying that over and over, and thank, thank the Lord. Um, uh, the CIA has confirmed that that is exactly how it works, that they make well, it look last like night, somebody I, else. I, I want to point out, last night on Fox News, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer, retired, told Fox News that the NSA hacked the DNC and left Russian footprints. Here it is. ATP 2829, the so-called Russian uh, tool that we used to hack the DNC. Sean, we did it. Not me, but our, our guy. Former members of NSA, retired intelligence officers, used these tools to break in there and get the information and, out. And, That's and what the Democrats don't want to talk about because it doesn't fit the narrative. You know that for a fact? You know the Democrats did it, or the, that former operatives did it, using the malware techniques that they put the Russians' fingerprints on Sean, it and the make it appear like the yes. Russians. In other words, you're telling me this whole Russian story that the media has been running with for months and months and months, and that it was our people that did it, and they and, just put the fingerprints of the Russians on it? That's, that's right. And J John McAfee, you were the first one that came out and said that, uh, no, it's not Russia. Now, we've got Capitol I, I, Hill I said, it, well, I said it on DC. RT itself. Uh, Go ahead. Absolutely. Absolutely. You've got uh, people in a frenzy on Capitol Hill about investigations uh, pointing the fingers. What fixes this, in your opinion? Where, where do we go to fix this? We need a new paradigm. We need a totally new paradigm. I mean, something I would, re you know, if, if, if John O'Brennan and Michael Hayden, who were the past uh, CIA directors under Obama, if they were here, I mean, I would like to say, shame. Shame on you. You are supposed to be the shepherd for the flock of American citizens to protect us. And yet you kept from us all of those things, these zero-day exploits, for years, while we suffered and lost billions and our, our industry's credibility went down, what were you thinking? Yeah. What were you what, thinking? John, what other kind of programs do you think the CIA would have that maybe we don't know about? Well, probably the same thing that, that all sophisticated hackers have, whether they're state-associated or not. I'd like to point something out that's really important that, that people forget. 
When we talk about cyber warfare, we're talking about a different world than nuclear war, for example. Uh, first of all, cyber warfare can be many times more devastating than nuclear war yeah. in, in, in a horrible way. Uh, and yet the weapons, like uh, uh, I understand there was over $100 billion put over the past eight years put into the CIA's hacking division by the Obama administration. And that was, by the way, just taken, okay? Um, because yeah. that's what happens. All cyber tools are stolen. There are no secrets in this world. Because as sophisticated as the CIA is at developing weaponized software, they are just as ignorant of cybersecurity measures because we have none in this world. They knew at okay. some point it would be taken. And this time next year, it's going to be on the dark web, and a 15-year-old kid can buy the entire set for $100. This is the reality. Rocking for the CIA Rocking for the CIA Cause I'm 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 rocking for the C
quarter through 2017 and Russia hasn't completely taken over the US <laughs> and like you know wouldn't it be so much better if Hillary were in office wouldn't that uh, wouldn't that just be so much better for the Democrats knowing that you know they may not be supporting the Kremlin in the racist KKK USA but at least uh, at least they would have no fly zones over brown countries nobody cares about. Yep, that would be fantastic. All right, so getting into the meat of it, uh, just wanted to remind you all that I'm on multiple places because apparently I have a lot of listeners here. So uh, on IPM Nation and JournalisticRevolution.com, you can find Moment of Rage with uh, Jeremiah Harding and... Uh, on YouTube, I'm Jeremiah Talks, and I have a, a few videos there, but uh, mostly what I do on YouTube these days is my weekly Chain Reaction podcast recording with Jeremiah Mitchell and when he's back, Andre Palm. Um, also, I, you should check out Idea Riot Records. Uh, it's a thing on Twitter. Uh, and everywhere else, of course, but Twitter is, as always, the platform that I find easiest to reach people on, uh, other than Discord, which, by the way, if you want a Discord invite, hit me up at Insanity is Free on Twitter. And on the next Chan Reaction recording, I'll be discussing one of the projects I've recently become involved in, which is the Freedom Bed and Breakfast, or as I think it's going to be called, Room for Freedom. Um which is the idea of, like, an Airbnb situation done with, like, peer-to-peer -peer transactions uh, and done to decentralize. So I'm, I'm all for that um, and to keep money in the freedom community. So uh, check out all those projects. The uh, Freedom Bed and Breakfast has, its, uh, has, has a project uh, listing on Indiegogo right now, so you can find it. Um, by just uh, searching that should be fairly easy. Freedom B&B, sort of like Airbnb. Um, and uh, it'll be explained in a little bit clearer detail, um, along with probably some level of political discussion uh, with Ben Stone and, uh, and Jim Davidson, uh, who are both involved in the project as well. You may know them from the from the sorts of circles of libertarians on uh, on on social media specifically twitter and uh at the top of this uh, recording i posted a uh, couple of interviews one with tucker carlson and glenn greenwald and uh that interview is important because glenn greenwald is a journalist who uh, is relatively good at uh, at, at parsing information and uh, the information he seems to have parsed is essentially 
uh, to put it in real good layman's terms, that the Russia line is a joke. And this was later confirmed in a Russia Today interview with John McAfee, a libertarian presidential candidate, and of course the guy who is no longer responsible for the shit virus protection thing that uh, that started out great, but has turned into basically what many in the coding community called malware. Um you should check out his video on that, by the way. It's fucking hilarious. He snorts coke. There's lots of guns. It's fucking great. Uh, big, big titted women. Um, but he confirms this, and he's, you know, while he's no longer involved in uh, McAfee antivirus, which, you know, to me, I would rebrand the hell out of that just to make sure that it was no longer associated with his name when he's openly blasted them multiple times. But I don't know. There's no such thing as bad press, so maybe it's all intentional and they know exactly what the fuck they're doing, um, even though they look like fucking shit every time anyone talks about them who knows shit. Um, which, by the way, there are free alternatives. Get malware bites, Bitdefender, shit like that. Uh, instead of having McAfee antivirus anywhere near your computer uh, or your family, you know, people you care about. Uh, anyway, uh, tech jokes aside, those interviews, I think, elucidated a really good point um, that the Russia thing is a distraction. And if it's not, if the Russia thing is not a distraction, if the CIA didn't mudge their data and make sure that their uh, that that their IPs were, were were blocked in the form of 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 proxy shells, essentially, um, then the only thing that's true is a further cover up. So conspiracy theorists don't get to be wrong. Um, at least not if the, the first thing they go off on saying is that it's a conspiracy. So there's that, and it's very positive news. Uh, I also included uh, CIA Man by Half-Cocked, uh, Evelrum by Bose, and Working for the CIA by Vincent J., uh, all of which are released under a Creative Commons license. Which, by the way, uh, mine is, you know. Uh, you can You can use any of my my words you can spread my messages you can repost my shit rehost it i hope you give me links uh if you do which you know it's it's funny because while i was looking for caa shit for my uh show today <laughs> i saw because i decided to go on youtube for creative commons um files and what i noticed is that the bulk of the creative commons files are immediate, at least with res with regard to this. I don't know about other things. Um, are one clip of video immediately reposted to like seven or eight diff uh, seven or eight different accounts, and they're all the same different accounts every time. Um, you know, so I was scrolling through it, filtering by date, and I noticed that this literally the same shit would be uploaded, like tons of times to tons of different accounts at once. I, You know, it, as a cynic, you know, I'm smiling because I understand that it's a very cynical way to get content out there. They're probably owned by the same people and that's why they all publish fairly concurrently. And if one gets taken down, the rest of them get to stay up. 
And if, you know, all of them get taken down, they can just run the program again and do it all again. You know, one channel gets taken down, just make another. It's it's actually, it seems like a really uh, intricate system, a really well done system. So, um, but it, it what it does mean is that the content I needed was kind of harder to, to, to find. And, and I also wasn't sure whether it was actually under Creative Commons license, but whatever. I think using news clips is actually considered fair use anyway. So, you know, whatever. If this gets dinged, it's probably more because the government doesn't like what I have to say than it's because it's illegal what I'm saying or how I'm saying it. So fuck them. Um, but the, the, it, it was very important to me to really elucidate this fact because I'm sick of hearing about Russia. I really, really am sick of hearing about Russia. It's, it's a constant cudgel. And this is... The, to me, this is the reason it's there. Because, as you all know, I don't think uh, Trump is, is benevolent. I think he's just as bad as Obama, just as bad as Bush was, uh, and all the other presidents before, before in the lineage. I'm not going to stop believing that presidents are all part of the same system um, just because we have somebody in who was relatively good at, uh, at putting on a show. Um, you know, it's, it's sort of like when, when I was involved in the Ron Paul campaign or when I was discussing Obama, um, and discussing how, uh, suddenly the same people who were opposed to Bush weren't opposed to Obama for the same reasons, uh, and that that pissed me off. I, I, they told me, you know, essentially, no, you know, you're a white male. Once a Republican's in office, you're going to support his ass too. And I'm like, no. And I, I knew I wouldn't because he's a president. It's really easy to not support Trump for many reasons. Um, I just happened to pick the ones that make sense. Um, and Russia's not one of the ones that makes sense. It, it makes sense as a cudgel. It makes sense to keep people fighting over whether Trump is Russia is, is a Russian shill or not. You know, it, it makes sense to, to keep people in divided camps so that they're like, Oh well, you're you know you must be with the Russians then, which it which was what was really interesting to me about that Glenn Greenwald interview, where he said that essentially every time he just started to discuss how Russia, uh, the contact the connections with Russia were spurious, um, how he would be called a Russian shill, and how it, Tucker Carlson apparently was told to move his show to RT, which but you know I mean. <laughs> wouldn't be a bad move. Tucker Carlson, after breaking the set or the resident, would be fucking great. I might, I might, uh, you know, buy the use of a channel just so that I could watch that shit. And by by the use of a channel, I obviously don't mean watch it online for free. Um, so all of that, I just, I really wanted to settle that point. And I think those interviews did a really, really good job of that. Um, because if you believe the establishment um, over a journalist and a tech analyst um, and tech entrepreneur who's still involved in the building of technology, then it's not that I think you're a lost cause or anything, but... You're the person I want to talk to. 
I don't like echo chambers, and I hope that as many people listen to my show uh, as can possibly fit in the bandwidth. I, I want I want people to understand that this that this show is not about dividing people. It's about uniting people. It's about getting together and being angry about the same shit and then finally doing something about it. Because the Russia line, it's a cudgel. That's it. That's all. The old man of the state is walking around with his shillelagh, bashing people over the head, saying, if you don't support establishment narratives, you're with the enemy. And the beautiful part is that the establishment includes Russia. So they're in on this, and they know it. And the only thing that uh, that's necessary is for the state to come along and act like it's not true. And act like Russia, and anything to do with Russia, and anything that isn't immediately critical of Russia, or immediately dismissive of Russia, or immediately using Russia as the same sort of cudgel they are, uh, is the enemy. Just bash it down, you know? They get to build that narrative the same way they did during the Cold War when it was better d better dead than red. Uh, they, they, they get to bash it down. And you know the beautiful thing? If you look at this analog analogously, you have the color red used to symbolize communism. It used to symbolize a leftist mindset and a leftist mentality. And now what does it symbolize? It symbolizes the Republican Party. Uh, red used to sim symbolize Russia, and people would say that the Reds, the Ruskies, are the enemy. And now the Reds are the Republicans, and suddenly the Ruskies are the enemy again. You know, <laughs> it's all about manipulation of public ideas. It's all about controlling the public discourse, controlling the public mind. And that's how they keep you cowed into submission. They keep you cowed into submission by thinking that not only is the control worthwhile and that you'll get something out of it like freedom or security or schools or a safe place for your children, um, which I'll get to a little bit later, um, but that if you don't go along with these things, you're part of the reason that they're necessary. So... I took a few notes this time, and I think I'm going to start doing that from now on, because it it's a little bit more organized this way. Um, so my first note, essentially, is to remind you guys, uh, please check out the music producers that, uh, that I include in this, because uh, especially some of the stuff that I find underground... Some of this stuff that's free Creative Commons because the person's just starting out. That stuff is the stuff that needs the most attention. Because the stuff that's above ground, the stuff that's, you know, mainstream, that stuff already has a platform. It's called MTV. It's called um, YouTube, uh, YouTube Music. It's called Noisy. The stuff that probably has a much more consistent and cohesive message against the system, that stuff's underground. Like, even Immortal Technique, you know, Ill Bill, Vinnie Paz, all of these people, they came from the underground. They came from, like, urban streets and selling copies of their records themselves, you know, offering it to people because they had some in their pocket. 
you know, those people, the the underground, the SoundClouders, the people posting it to Jamendo and Free Music Archive, the people on the ground, those people are the people who are the artistic revolutionaries, but they don't get nearly the support they deserve. And so I want to include as many of them as possible, which, by the way, if you're interested in getting your music on my program, all you got to do is ask. It's got to be anti-government in theme, and I'll include it. Um, you know, I want to encourage collaboration here. I want to encourage people working together against the system. And I think having a good, solid music uh, base is a good way to start. Um, but the, the, the other part of this is, uh, I was speaking on YouTube earlier and how, you know, cynical people are in terms of their advertising, which I'm a cynic, so I'm not like judging them for it, but YouTube advertisers are pulling out money now. It's being called like the YouTube apocalypse. And, um, this, this, this mass advertiser retreat uh, is all coming on the heels of one another, sort of like the gamers are dead narrative, if you're familiar with Gamergate. Uh, advertisers pulling out of YouTube um, is all... It, it all happened on the same day, basically, what it seemed like press releases or talking points memos released and circulated in the same day to make sure that the same news cycle got, got, got shoved out. Because I don't think it was all parasitic news. I think it was a lot of it just... Um, that sort of sick kind of I'm gonna release the same information uh, that that somebody else just did because it's from a from a publicly available source, which isn't necessarily terrible. I mean, WikiLeaks did that in their press release recently, but you know, it happens all too much where a news piece will be immediately popular because a lot of people use the same information from the same source. So it's something to be wary of at the very least, but. Um, they claim, the advertisers claim that the reason is because they don't want to be next to hateful or bigoted content. And, um, and this has been something that's being, been brought up for fucking years. So don't even begin to, 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 to tabulate this as new. This isn't news. People have been making the point that hateful videos you know, about kill kill all white people or, you know, uh, um, fucking black people go back to Africa, that sort of shit, uh, has always had advertisers next to it who, who, you know, have some sort of friendly advertising message or a multicultural fucking bullshit stock footage montage. And then it'll go straight from this inspirational crap right to, um, you know, basically pull. Um, and this has been happening for a while, so don't believe this is new. This isn't new. The advertisers have been informed for fucking years that this is, that this has been going on. This isn't about that to me. As far as I can tell, the, the, the new information is that, uh, mainstream media is being constantly, constantly lambasted by people on YouTube for failing to, uh, to to meet their numbers, the numbers of people on YouTube, that the mainstream media is dying and moving to YouTube, and as a result, YouTube will be adopting probably more sensorial policies related to content. And this 
this sort of sensorial policy um, is directly related to the fact that uh, they, they want those corporate media outlets. They want those corporate heads on their programs. They don't want the normal person who could say something extremely unpolitically correct. You know, that's why the videos that were taken down for criteria involving, you know, some sort of bullshit, um, well, demonetized anyway, for, for some sort of bullshit reason, like they're discussing terrorism or war or drugs or whatever, are down, you know, they're demonetized or, you know, outright just taken down entirely because of community guidelines. But the ones that discuss the same shit, in fact, sometimes the exact same footage is used in the ones that do get demonetized, uh, but our corporate news, they get to stay up. The corporate media gets to stay up. The, the, the private sort of crowdsourced media, the YouTubes, those don't get to stick around. And, um, and this is all, you know, to me, I don't look at this as, you know, isolated incidents. I look at this as all very connected. This doesn't seem to me to be something that you can just write off as, as some corporate decision. This is a mass decision. Advertisers like AT&T are pulling out. And, you know, AT&T, I could go on, like, Room 214 in, in that NSA data center, uh, well, in that AT&T place. Um, the, the fucking hubs of communication immediately wiretapped by, by U.S. intelligence, and they can't say shit about it, and their rooms are always stripped, like, right after they find them. Um, it's, it's, it's some atrocious shit. But the but but AT and T is breaking off because they claim that they don't want to be next to hateful content. These people that have already aligned with uh, with the government and against the people, those people are telling us what we should watch on YouTube now. They're saying what's hateful, what's not, what's reasonable, what's not, and they're saying what we should consider uh, hateful content. Because it's not a matter of getting that hateful content down. It's not a matter of getting that violent content, that bigoted content, that drug-related content down. It's not a matter of that. If it was, a lot of the corporate shit would be taken down too. And it doesn't matter whether you pay for it or not. If you, if you have an advertiser base and you're making politically incorrect jokes in a comedy special that's available for two ninety nine, which is, by the way, an absurd rate if you're listening, Google... Um, for just a rental of something, uh, but, you know, whatever. Um, you could have ads next to that. You could have ads surrounding that. You could have ads surrounding people's access to that. But if if your ads are next to this, quote, hateful content, then you're pulled out. You know, though, I mean, to be fair, um, like, I'd say probably a damn sight, a huge amount of people, uh, probably just use ad block anyway. So I wouldn't be surprised if this was just a desperate swipe out at people that they didn't like, because the, the, the fact is that they're not losing much money by switching, uh, from Google. It was like $750 million. That's peas. That's like nothing. Um, you know, I mean, it's a lot to the working class, but it's money that can be pissed away by, by advertisers. AT&T, can chuck out cheap phones for a reason. They've they're they're swimming in it. 
The CEOs and executives of these major corporations, they don't lose any sleep over $750 million, and they'll put their ad access elsewhere, like on the daytime television that's moving to fucking YouTube TV. It's it's all connected. You know, nobody's going to lose anything over this except the bottom end of people, the sort of people that are just, you know, trying to start out making alternative media because they don't want us. They don't want the alternative media crowd which I guess I'm a member of now since I have, like, 13 episodes of this fucking thing. Um, they don't want us. They don't want our content. It's not a matter of content. It's a matter of our content. They want their content. They want to corner this market like they did everybody else. And so I'd recommend going to less centralized platforms like VidMe and making that shit popular. Because VidMe is bold enough in their marketing strategy to even say fuck YouTube in their description. So, you know, it's, it's, that, it's getting to be that sort of world. And even then, even if you do move to these other platforms, even if you do start to see relative and uh, relatively high success over there and some good numbers... And, uh, you know, it turns into your job. That pr that place can be co-opted, too, if it's not already controlled opposition. You know, be wary. Stay fucking frosty. Uh, but I said I'd get back to treatment of children later. TSA pat, pat, patted down that, uh, that child and everybody watched, like, the two-minute video of how intrusive and invasive it was. That child with that, uh, that sensory uh, disorder where, where everything felt uh, wrong. Um, at least with reference in comparison to the rest of the, the basically the average sort of way people respond to stimulus. And uh, she told them that, and they gave him a really aggressive pat-down that uh, TSA policies uh, were going to increase anyway and, uh, and said would be more, quote, intimate. Um, and that's, that's the sort of thing. Um, but to me, they, they did it specifically because the mother was being specific about it, and they wanted the kid to be raised up to think this was normal. And, um, and that's, that's to me what it is. It's, it's just, it's a way for the, for the government to really hammer the point home that the prison planet will not be open to business. It won't be open, um, to, to people who disagree, uh, with, 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 for instance, security theater. You will have to deal with this, even if it's humiliating, even if you don't like it at all. You'll have to deal with it, because this is the new paradigm. Um, of course, it's not really new. It's just sort of an aggravated version of the same festering statist sores that already existed. But it's it's there. It's sort of like the, the, the Delta thing. I mean, the, the, the divisive thing where they, they, you know, the Delta people... Uh, said that, you know, you, you can't come on our plane because you're wearing leggings right now, um, or something like that. And the women claimed it was all because of, you know, uh, sexism and, 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 you know, no men's, men were stopped. Well, first off, I don't think they know that because I think that, you know, they probably don't know how the policy was applied to other people, but it was a free ride and it was, it was in exchange for accepting business policies and being a representative. Uh, Philip DeFranco covered it relatively well, and I advise you to go check out his coverage of that. Um, it's it's not likely not the first time it's happened, and it's likely not the first time somebody's been offended by it, but this is the first high-profile case, and now everybody gets to make a big deal out of everything on social media. Um, 
but the TSA patting down that child, that was designed to oppress. The Delta policy wasn't, uh, but everything gets to seem like it because, um, you know, everything seems like a bar when everywhere is a prison, uh, you know, right? So, but it, you, that can also be used as far as my cynical approach to shit goes. Um, it can also be used to divide men and women, which is sort of important. I mean, we have no natural predators. We, we have no natural predators as humankind. We have a low IQ shit society. And that's why women are targets of political favoritism. Because when you control the breeding mechanism for any species, you control their world. When you control the breeding mechanism for human society and civilization, you control human society and civilization. And make no mistake, that's what they're after. They want to control the world. Um, they've already got quite a few steps to that, you know. They're already close because of the Bilderberg Group, because of globalism, because of global population reduction mechanisms. They're all getting close. Uh, but they can get closer and closer the more they control women. The more they control women and say it's for your own good. Basically, the government and media uh, decided, uh, as far as I can tell anyway, that men... Um, being the warrior class in society, being the class of people that would be involved in the protection of society, if they weren't working for society, that they should be shamed, that, 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 that there should be an endless reel of, of daytime talk shows on television um, where everything uh, about men is terrible and everything about women is great, except, of course, if you're going to objectify men, which, of course, isn't objectification, which is ogling plus power. Um, so, you know, you make men seem stupid. Every advertisement is a condescending woman and a, a man who's just too stupid to get it without her. Um, and and you make, you, you basically divorce women from all men who aren't doing exactly what the state wants. And in, in effect, uh, you know, by paying for birth control, by paying for maternity leave, by uh, having violence against women acts and all this other shit, this basically uh, political white knighting, you can create an environment of the government being every woman's husband, every woman's provider, every woman's defender, and they'll start to see it that way. They'll, and, and, and like David Lanham, Lanhelm, I think I, I'm not precisely sure how to pronounce that name, but it's, it's, um, one of the, um, senators from Australia. And in a recent debate, this woman was just, well, I mean, it was a floor debate, but this female politician, after he made every point necessary to, to make the case for an amendment to the bill, uh, the only reason she gave that people shouldn't listen to him was that he was a bloke, a white bloke, middle-aged white bloke. That's it. That's it. That's all she needed to say. That's all probably she had. And it's also fine for the government because they know what they can use it for. They know how they can manipulate people. They know how they can keep people coerced by divorcing women from every man and making government the husband. 
And in doing so, uh, they can use any policy um, that benefits women as a cudgel against society. Not because necessarily having birth control measures is a cudgel against society, although the fact that uh, the global elites want, you know, overpopulation, uh, anti-overpopulation methods uh, is, is fairly indicative of some fairly severe shit. Um, they can use that because eventually, eventually, you get a society of women that feel that they wouldn't be societally protected where they're not a government, where they're not the same level of government, the same giant intrusive level of government that there exists these days, there wouldn't be any protections for women. You, you can be you can have the government become their husband and say, without me, you would have nothing. Don't try to leave. And a lot of them don't. You know, it's it's really fucking sick, but it's not something that's going to stop until we abolish the state. And that brings me to my last, I think, point, or at least set of points. At the beginning of, of my little rant here, I discussed how the, the Russian thing is probably um, just a narrative, and if it's not, you know, distracting narrative, and if it's not, then the only thing that serves to prove is that there's a further conspiracy. Well, this is a possible element of that further conspiracy that's all conjecture. Please don't cite me as stating facts from knowledge. Uh, this is all based on my understanding, my paradigm, my... My model of the world. Um, and I'm just sort of spitballing ideas here. But I would not be an ounce surprised if the pedophile news cycle, the whole thing of it, right, left, the whole fucking thing of it, was designed by the elites to conceal the true intention of kidnappers. Now, you know, I'm going to get a little bit science fiction here. What if these people in charge have been kidnapping children themselves? What if these children aren't being used as sex slaves, but are being used as experimental subjects? What if you can't get anything done in terms of advancing the statist agenda without sleeper agents, and they need to start programming them young while neuroplasticity is still there. I, I'm, and, and again, this is conjecture. I don't want to fear monger. I just want to sort of elucidate that this could be much deeper than people are, are initially thinking it is. I mean, I have no proof. This is all just in, like suspicion. But it's based on a paradigm where they found that the younger you, you, you catch children, the, the more they absorb the information you're giving them. The younger you catch them, the more, uh, the more I, I guess, susceptible they are to stimulus and input and to suggestions and to mental programming. And this is why they, they were doing the whole thing with, you know, Prussian indoctrination school systems in the K-12 uh, in America, because, you know, and, and by the way, if you're British and you want to have a conversation about the British school system and it, how it may be 
uh, either more or less fucked up than the American school system or any sort of uh, other other major first world country or third world country. If you want to talk education, talk to me. Um, you can find me at Insanity is Free on Twitter and we'll, we'll hash out the details on how to have an interview because I, I, I want to really delve into children. I want to make sure that we can uh, expose how how the elites have programmed children, how the elites have destroyed childhood, have turned it into a weapon against adulthood, and effectively indoctrinated the planet from a very young age. I really, really want to delve into that. But just, I mean, think about it. All you'd have to do is have a pedophile news cycle, um, how everybody's a pedophile, um, you know, you could even have the people tacitly support you by starting to try and expose pedophiles in their own network and, you know, see something, say something, have a giant spy network just based on fear-mongering. And while that's all going on, you could have a supply of, of children that you could do with what you wanted, and eventually they're fucking discovered. They, they were you know, in an environment that, that they never knew about because they were black-bagged or something. I mean, and secret prisons aren't a fucking, like, they're not a myth. They're not something whispered in the background. Home and square. Fucking Google it. You know, but they could be doing anything with these children, whoever they are. And, it you know, the fact that they were kidnapped doesn't mean we automatically know what they were for when they kidnapped them. It doesn't mean we automatically know um what 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 was actually going on it just means that we know that there's been a, a rash of kidnappings lately um concurrent with a rash of pedophile ring exposures but the fact that all these pedophile rings are immediately being exposed trump isn't the reason uh trump is part of the global network but trump isn't the reason don't make any mistakes these pedophile rings were already well known about otherwise they wouldn't have been able to cluster the shit it wouldn't all be coming out now if there wasn't some sort of connection to an agency that already knew about it. And the fact that they already knew about these rings means that they already knew about how to do it, means that they could use this for whatever they want. So I just want to say pay attention to what's happening. Pay attention to what's going on. And pay attention to how, how people may be being manipulated. Because it could be much more complicated than, than people are willing to admit. When you divorce women from, from society and marry them to government, um, anything that is designed to protect the children will be immediately uh, congratulated. So all the government has to do is go, quote, find the kids they kidnapped, and then everything gets to, gets to come back to full circle and the women get to, you know, praise the government until the next ring of kidnappings. It's a, it's all possible. I'm not saying it is, and I'm just sort of spitballing here. You know, call me a tinfoiler, but it's been something on my mind, and I just sort of wanted to regurgitate that near the end of my podcast or whatever radio show. Um, which, I don't know, it, it, send me a message if you think this should be a podcast as well. I don't fucking know. I don't know what, 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 what my audience wants. You know, I didn't even know I'd really have an audience. I just sort of thought I'd fucking throw this out there. But thank you all. Thank you all for listening to the program. Uh, please check out all of the other stuff that I discussed during this. Please look into these stories. Please stay informed. Please educate your neighbors and stay angry.
God knows they want to pacify you. Here's Criminal by Darod's Neck. See you all next Wednesday. This has been Moment of Rage. I'm Jeremiah Harding signing out.